the deacon in charge of our mission ministry, and they'll answer those questions. But make sure if you're writing a check that you put on their Taiwan trip in that memo line, and we'll make sure that it gets to the right place. We're going to be thinking about mothers this morning, and before we do that, before we get into uh, the message, let's pray for God to bless us. Let's bow our head and join our hearts in prayer. Father, You're great to us in so many ways. You are a Father to us, and You love us with an eternal love and a righteous love and a holy love and a sacrificial love. And You bless us in so many different ways in this life, Father, that we can't even begin to enumerate. But right there at the very beginning is that You bring us into families and that You bless us with the love of a mother. And as we think about motherhood this morning and how great it is in, in, in Your human project and what it is that You are doing in the world today, we, we're asking, Father, that that You deepen us and that You galvanize our commitments to motherhood and to the raising of children in such a way, Father, that it brings glory to You. We're thankful for these moms. We are thankful for them, Father. From the bottom of our hearts, we are thankful for them. And we pray Your continued blessing on them of wisdom and of patience and of strength and discernment. We pray all of these things for them in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, I've kind of changed my thinking over the years on reality TV. Thought it was a bit of a nuisance, and then there were a couple of shows that kind of caught my eye. I kind of became interested in them. But at some point, uh, in, in beginning to watch some of these reality shows, some of them are still pretty bad, and some of them, though, pretty good, I begin to have an idea for my own reality show. Talked with Ellen about, wouldn't it be great to have a reality show on a preacher. Just awesome, I thought. And Ellen said, you think people at the end of the day, when they're trying to relax after dinner, they're going to want to sit down in front of the TV and watch you read a book. Or write a sermon. Or tie your tie. Or get stuck in traffic. Here's an idea. Why don't you call it Pew Commander? And we'll call it that. And I thought, well, maybe it's not such a great idea after all. I thought maybe I had kind of an exciting life. Maybe not. But I think reality TV is here to stay. Some of them are pretty interesting. We sit down. We watch them. Some of them are contests, right? And some of them are pretty intense contests. To win one of these contests, you must outwit, outplay, outlast your fellow contestants. You have to have a tremendous amount of willpower. You've got to have some endurance. It's a fight to the very end, to the, to the finish. And those that participate in those contests have to sacrifice sleep. They have to do without conveniences, and they have to face many hardships. Do you know the name of the oldest, longest-running, reality-based survival contest in America? Motherhood. I ran across this definition of motherhood. It's not original with me. Ran across it in some reading. Fellow writes, actually it was a woman that wrote it, an activity that offers all the delights of running a hotel, a restaurant, a school, and a taxi service with none of the worry or bother of having to collect or spend a salary or income. Motherhood is not an easy task, is it? Now, uh, we, you've heard lots of mother 
day sermons and have read lots of books on what it means to be a parent or to be a mother or to raise children, these kinds of things. I just want to give you three things to, to think about this morning, actually to remember this morning. Some of them are original to me, some I've gotten from other people, but three simple things to remember on this Mother's Day. The first one is this. Remember you are loved by God. Mother's Day is a great day for many of you. It's a good day. You're happily married. You have children. You like your children. Your children like you. Your mother, perhaps she's living, and you and she get along famously. Mother's Day is a good day for you. But for some, Mother's Day is a really hard day. Perhaps you and your children are not in a good relationship right now. Perhaps your children have made some decisions in life that have caused a great deal of hurt to be heaped up in your heart. Perhaps you're still grieving the loss of your mother and Mother's Day reminds you that there is a big, empty spot in your heart. Now, regardless of where you might be on this day, as a mother, every mother has hard days, right? Being a mother is not easy. It's never been easy, and sometimes it seems that in the world that we live in, as it keeps traveling and spinning you know, through the galaxy, that being a mother gets more and more difficult. And there are days, I know this as a father, and, and the fathers can attest to this as well, there are days when you feel like you've blown it because you've made a horrible mistake with your kiddos. Maybe it's something that you did or something that you said, or maybe it's something that you missed, something that you should have said. Maybe you've just got a lot of regret at this point in this juncture in your life. Some days you feel like a total failure because your kids, your children have said some things that you never dreamed you would ever hear coming out of the mouth of your kiddos. I want you to remember on days like those, and those days do come, that you are loved in an incredibly profound and significant way by God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth. And when you feel unlovable and you feel unloved, and you feel that there's no one who appreciates or even sees what it is that you do on a daily basis to make sure that that home runs and runs successfully, remember that God does not and He never will stop loving you. Now, that's an issue that you find all over the Bible. People are sometimes going, you know, I just don't feel loved, so I must not be loved. And over and over again, primarily in the prophets, you find the prophets saying, I, I know that you don't feel loved by God. And there are times when days are tough. But remember this, and Isaiah 54 is one of those places. Verse 10, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed. Now, imagine a day like that. Now you're going through your day and trying to figure things out. You're trying to do the best that you can. And something happens that seems like it just shakes a mountain. Can you, can you imagine the upheaval to a community or to a landscape when a hill is completely removed? Either dismantled piece by piece or it erodes through time and just disappears or it's completely blown up. But the hills are, are removed. He says, when you go through a day like that, remember, my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. What Isaiah is trying to tell Israel about their experience of God's love is that regardless of what happens to you or what you might do, you cannot shake off God's love for you. 
God's love never ceases for you. One of the great passages in the greatest chapter in, in the book of Romans, chapter 8, is verses 38 and 39. Where, where Paul is helping the church in Rome to understand just how there is a stickiness to the love of God. That there is a closeness, an intimacy in the experience of God's love. That regardless of whatever it is you might be facing in the world around you, you can't be separated from God's love. He says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. And that seems like on a day like this, uh, angels and demons, maybe he's talking about your kids. Neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to, what? say it with me, separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The single most important thing here is your relationship with God is the priority throughout your entire life. More so than, than your marriage, more so than your, your, your parenting of your kiddos, more so than your career, wherever that may be, the priority in your life is an ever-deepening, ever-maturing, ever-ripening relationship with God where you feel and sense, even on the bad days, that there is nothing that separates you from the love of God. That regardless of what happens, how big of a failure, and those days do come, it's easy to feel like a failure. Especially when it comes to, to the world that we live in right now with our families. That regardless of how bad that day might be, you have never been more loved by God than in that moment. I mean, think about it. You know, when, when my kids did something that was wrong or they, they did something that was displeasing or they did something that I thought might have some, some danger, low-level, low-grade danger attached to it, they actually had more of my attention and more of my love at that moment. I mean, what happens when somebody messes up? You watch them even more clearly and closely and intimately. On those days when you feel that way, it is a bigger and grander and larger dose of God's love that you have than any other time. And then number two, let go of the supermom myth. What is a supermom? Well, they're all around us, but nobody seems to have a good definition. But a supermom seems to me to be a woman who works a full-time job. She attends all her kids' activities. She's a fabulous cook, good housekeeper, always looks good, never misses a church service, never gets cross with anyone, always has a smile on her face, never needs sleep, always has Perel, always well hydrated, always a model of restraint with chocolates, and always, always, always in a good mood. You know what we call these kinds of moms? Non-existent. If motherhood was easy, it would never have started with something called what? Labor. <laughs> it starts with labor. It's difficult. It's always a struggle in this world to balance your time and your priorities and your finances and all of those things. Don't feel guilty if on some days you don't feel successful. Motherhood is as hard as it is wonderful. Motherhood does interfere with your individual goals and your pursuits and some of the things that you want to get accomplished in, in this life. Don't feel guilty that you're not accomplishing all of these goals that you set for yourself before you got married if in the process you are right now building these little human beings into adult human beings who truly love God. 
If you're developing a maturing relationship with God, then you will have help to always understand where to make the trade-offs. Trade-offs are incredibly important to know which ones to make. You're going to be pulled in a million directions and never have the resources focused in the most important areas of your life if you do not learn how to make some trade-offs. There are some words out of Proverbs chapter 3. In fact, these are some words that I think about every time I get into the pulpit. If you sit down very close to the front and you see uh, before uh, I, I come up here on the stage, my mouth moving and uh, that's me praying the words of Psalm uh, of Proverbs 3 beginning in verse 5 and really about verse 6, but we'll read 7 and 8. But here are some words that you need to memorize. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Let's say that as a church, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And then number three, focus on making a difference in your little church. Proverbs 14, verse 26 says, Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children, it will be a refuge. You know, Ellen and I are, are connected to this large church of believers, this church family that is the MacArthur Park Church of Christ. We have been for, for nearly 15 years. There is so much of our time and our energy and our love and our emotional life and intellectual life and, and all of that, our social life, that's, that's poured into this, this church family. But we are also connected to a little church that's called the Apshers and the Schroyers. And our little church is our priority and the place where we seek to make the biggest difference, especially kingdom difference. You know, if anyone is successful in any kind of endeavor but fails to make sure that the kids that they have been blessed with are not only given the knowledge of God, but are given reasons for loving Him, they have not really been successful when it comes to kingdom living. I mean, that, that's moms. 100 years from now, well, that's not even, let's, just, let's just say ten years from now. Not even a hundred. Ten years from now, will it, is it really going to matter how much money you had in the bank? Or how big your house was? When what really matters was the difference that you made in your child's life, especially in light of eternity. And that is why you matter, quite frankly. You matter as a mom because of the difference that you make in that child's life when it comes to eternity, when it comes to the kingdom. Not developing in these kids just a theology of obedience where we know what to do and what not to do, but a theology of, of trust and of relationship with God. Where these kiddos feel like wherever they go throughout all of life, and because they've seen it in you, seen it in, 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 in your family, and have seen it with your husband, they've seen it in all of us, that they go everywhere walking through this life in the presence of God, and they love that. You, along with godly fathers, make a difference in a child's life. Those long conversations that you have make a difference. 
Being under the same roof makes a difference. The hugs and the kisses, they make a difference. The putting the kids to bed makes a difference. Reading the Word of God to children makes a difference. Making sure those kids are in Bible class and in worship and involved in the ministries of the church and the activities of the church and that they have relationships that are being established with other people in the church along with you makes a difference. You know, just to, to brag on uh, uh, one one of our families, uh, and, and they remain nameless to protect the innocent. Ellen and I, from time to time, we, we get the opportunity, the privilege to go in and, and babysit uh, a couple of little kiddos, some close friends of ours. And one of the, the best things in that evening, while mom and dad are off uh, having a, a date night or, or, or doing something doing something else, spending mom and dad time together, Ellen and I get to spend time feeding those kids and, and playing with those kids. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the night, when it's time to put them to bed, we read a bunch of books, and it always ends with reading a Bible story. And I think that these parents are doing something really, really good with their kiddos because they don't want to stop with one story. They want to read another story. And if you ask them questions about it, they begin to tell you about it. I mean, these are little old tiny kids, and they already know about Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. And they know all of these stories. And then at the very end, Ellen and I get to hear these little kids pray. I think that sometimes the closest we get in this life to, to heaven is when you watch a little child sleep or you hear a little kid pray. You make a difference, Mom that the countless things you do every day for these kiddos, every change agent in the kingdom of God started out as a what? Baby. And when God wants to change the world, He sends a kid. And so here's the thing. The spiritual development of your family gets your best energies. Can we, can we commit to that? Your spiritual, the, the spiritual development of your family gets your best energies. And then finally, let's back away from the moms for a second. And let's just talk about us as family and as church. You know, one of the things that is really, really important in a world like the one we live in is that we need on a continual basis show appreciation for motherhood. Can we do that? Show appreciation for motherhood? We give honor to whom honor is due. That's what the Bible says, by the way. Romans chapter 13 and verse 7, give to everyone what you owe them. And Paul begins to list some things. And then at the end of it, he says, if honor, then you give them what? Honor. If you want your mother and, and if you want your wife to survive motherhood, you really need to show appreciation. Mark Twain, you've heard me quote him before, once said, I can live off of one good compliment for a week. Well, Twain was not the only one. The wisest man who ever lived outside of Jesus Christ once wrote in Proverbs chapter 12, An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Appreciation is good. Giving honor to whom honor is due is good. Appreciation is something that we all, we all want. It's the expression of admiration and approval and gratitude. Yet, yet, how many moms wonder every day, does my family appreciate me? Does, does my family appreciate? Do they see what it is 
that I do because of my love for them. So here's the thing. One of the greatest gifts you can give your mom or the mother of your children is the gift of sincere, genuine, personal, continual appreciation. At the end of Proverbs chapter 31, which is about the worthy woman, we read these words in verses 28 and 29. Her children arise and call her what? They call her what, church? Blessed. Her husband also. Fellas, it's just as important today for you to look your wife in the eye and say you're doing a good job as it is for the kids. Her husband also, and he praises her, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. That's what he says to her. And so I'd like for us right here at the very end of the sermon just to, to, to stop and to take a minute and to have all of our mothers stand up. Moms, can we get you to stand up? And what we're going to do is to let you know how much we love you and appreciate you is as a church, all of the men and all of the children, we want to sing to you, we love you with the love of the Lord. Ben? We love you with the love of the Lord. We love you with the love of the Lord. We see in you the glory of our King. And we love you with the love of the Lord. We are going to sing an invitation song right now, and perhaps there's somebody here that could use the prayers of the church. Or perhaps somebody has been thinking for a very long time through their study of God's Word that it's time for them to make a change in life. That it, it's time to, to, to right some things that have been wrong. That it, it's time to make some profound U-turns uh, in life to make sure that life ends in a place that is not just good and peaceful and joyful and blessed, but it's a place that ends in the love of God. And what that means is that it's a recognition that God is not just our Creator and our Father, but that His Son Jesus is our Lord. And that we acknowledge the fact that, that our lives have not been going in the right direction, but have been going in a wrong direction. And that's why we've been ending up in so many disastrous relationships or disastrous jobs or disastrous decisions or finances or whatever it might be. And so we repent of that. Come to our senses is what that word means. And we make a change in our life. And it begins by confessing that Jesus is Lord. That He's the King. That He's the Sovereign. That He's the one that is in charge. And it means having your sins washed away by trusting, by trusting God and trusting what Christ accomplished on the cross by participating in His death, burial, and resurrection in baptism. And then receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and living the rest of your life as a citizen of God's kingdom, as a disciple of Jesus of Nazareth, as a child, a son, and a daughter of God, Yahweh, our Creator, and our Father God. And if that describes you this morning, we're going to have some of our shepherds down here at the front, the spiritual leaders of our church. What we'd like to do is, as we stand and sing together, for you to come down and to talk to these shepherds. Let's stand and praise God together. Holy Lord, most holy Lord, you alone are worthy of my praise. Oh, holy Lord, most holy Lord, with all of my heart I sing, all my heart I sing, great are you, Lord, worthy of praise. 
true. Great are you, Lord, most holy Lord. Holy Lord, most holy Lord, you alone are worthy of my praise. Oh, holy Lord, most holy Lord, with all of my heart I see. Great are you, Lord, worthy of praise. 